0: up on today's show the western world responds to the invasion of ukraine by russia we'll hear from canadian prime minister justin trudeau as well as u.s president joe biden we'll also get an update from reggie cicchini on exactly what we know about the situation in ukraine at this point and we'll chat with oral brown a professor of political science the fact that we even got to this point bonjour
1: tout le monde Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm accompanied today by the Deputy Prime Minister Freeland, Minister
2: Freeland
1: and Minister Jolie and Anand. We're here today to talk about the situation in Ukraine. The unjustifiable attack by Russia
2: of Ukraine is unacceptable. This morning,
1: Ukrainians woke up to the brutal, terrifying reality of war. President Putin has launched a horrific, unprovoked attack on their country, a sovereign nation, including missile strikes in their capital, Kiev. He has needlessly put the lives of innocent people at risk, violated Russia's international treaties, and launched the greatest threat to European stability since World War II. Canada is unequivocal in our condemnation of Russia's unprovoked and unjustified attack on the sovereign, democratic state, of Ukraine. President Putin's brazen disregard for international law, democracy, and human life are a massive threat to security and peace around the world. I just spoke a few minutes ago with President Zelensky. I told him that we are announcing strong action today and continue to stand with him and with the Ukrainian people. Earlier this morning, I met with G7 partners to coordinate our response. We're also working closely with NATO and our allies. Together, we have made clear that Russian violence, aggression, and violation of international law will not go unpunished. We stand united and steadfast in our support of Ukraine's sovereignty, and we stand in solidarity with the Ukrainian people's right to decide their own future in a free and democratic state.
2: On Tuesday, after, Tuesday, after Putin President Putin's recognition of the so-called Donetsk independent Luransk, states of Donetsk and Luhansk, Canada announced an initial series of concerted, of concerted sanctions. Canada's sanctions target Russie, those responsible for illegal actions in Russia, in Russia, as well as plus, two Russian banks supported de by the state. Moreover, russes. we've uh, prohibited Canadians from buying Russian sovereign debt. It Forbidden to participate in any financial transaction with the so-called independent states of Donetsk and Luhansk. We also announced the deployment of up to 460 additional, for
1: additional Canadian forces troops afin de to support la paix et la Operation
2: Reassurance under NATO and Today, to favor peace and security. Of in Europe.
1: reckless and dangerous military strike, we are imposing further severe sanctions. These sanctions will target 58 individuals and entities, including members of the Russian elite and their family members, as well as the Wagner Group and major Russian banks, among others. We will also sanction members of the Russian Security Council, including the Defense Minister, the Finance Minister, and the Justice Minister. In addition, Effectively immediately effective immediately, we are ceasing all export permits for Russia and cancelling existing permits. These sanctions are wide reaching. They will impose severe costs on complicit Russian elites, and they will limit President Putin's ability to continue funding this unjustified invasion'. Aujourd'hui, Today, in light of Russia's reckless and dangerous military strike,
2: we are imposing further severe
1: sanctions.
2: These
1: sanctions are wide-reaching. They will bring about major sanctions for members of
2: the Russian elite
1: And will prevent President
2: Putin from financing this unjustified attack. I want to be clear
1: Russia's attack against
2: Ukraine is also an attack against democracy, international law, and freedom.
1: Russia's attack on Ukraine is also an attack on democracy, on international law, on human rights, and on freedom. Russia's actions stand in direct opposition to the democratic principles that generations of Canadians have fought to protect. Democracies and democratic leaders everywhere must come together to defend these principles and stand firmly against authoritarianism. Russia must immediately cease all hostile actions against Ukraine and withdraw all military and proxy forces from the country. Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity must be respected, and the Ukrainian people, like all people, must be free to determine their own future. I want to be clear. Our quarrel is not with the people of Russia. It is with President Putin and Russian leadership that has enabled and supported this further invasion of Ukraine. La vérité... The Ce truth is that Russia has been violating
2: Ukraine's sovereignty for years. In 2014, it illegally annexed Crimea. Depuis, Since then, then, it has never stopped, stopped arming democracy in et Ukraine. Et and today, President Putin, a Putin opened a new, dark chapter of this story by launching a
1: wide-ranging invasion. These disturbing times for the international community and for people everywhere who care about freedom and democracy. And while the eyes of the world are on leaders, we can never lose sight of the human cost of conflict. Innocent people, including children, are now facing violence and chaos. In these dark hours, Canada's message to the people of Ukraine is this. You are not alone. We are standing with you. For Canadians and permanent residents in Ukraine, your safety and security are now our top priority. We also want to make sure that you can get to safety. We've arranged for safe passage for you and your families at the land borders with Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova. We are urgently issuing travel documents for affected Canadians, permanent residents, and their immediate family members. We're also prioritizing immigration applications for Ukrainians, who want to come to Canada. And to ensure we can serve people as quickly as possible, today we are launching a new, dedicated phone line for anyone at home or abroad with urgent Ukraine-related immigration questions. To Canadiens Canadians and
2: permanent residents
1: in Ukraine, in Ukraine, your
2: safety and security, safety and security are, are our top priority. Priority. We also want to make sure that you can get to safety. safety. We, we have, have arranged for safe passage for you la and Hongrie, your families at the land borders la of Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania,
1: and Moldova. We are urgently issuing travel documents, documents for affected Canadians, permanent immédiat. residents,
2: and their immediate On family members. We are also prioritizing immigration applications for Ukrainians who want to come to Canada
1: and to ensure that we can serve people as quickly as possible today we are launching a new dedicated phone line for anyone at home or abroad with urgent ukraine related immigration questions last night i spoke with ukrainian canadians at the ukrainian canadian congress board meeting i told them that president putin has underestimated the strength and unity of democratic allies and partners And he has underestimated the strength and resolve of Ukrainian people. These are traits of Ukrainian Canadians, too. You have helped build this country. You are proud of your your culture and your heritage. And you don't back down. Well, neither will Canada. Our support for Ukraine, for democracy, and for human rights remains unwavering.
3: Good afternoon. The Russian military has begun a brutal assault on the people of Ukraine. Without provocation, <clears throat> without justification, without necessity, this is a premeditated attack. Vladimir Putin has been planning this for months, as I've been, we've been saying, all along. He moved more than 175,000 troops, military equipment, in positions along the Ukrainian border. He moved blood supplies into position and build a field hospital, which uh, tells you all you need to know about his intentions all along. He rejected every good faith effort the United States and our allies and partners made to address our mutual security concerns through dialogue, to avoid needless conflict, and avert human suffering. For weeks, for weeks, we have been warning that this would happen. And now, it's unfolding largely as we predicted. In the past week, we've seen shelling increase in the Donbass, a region in eastern Ukraine controlled by Russian backed separatists. Rush, the Russian government has perpetrated cyber attacks against Ukraine. We saw a staged political theater in Moscow, outlandish and baseless claims that Ukraine was, a, Ukraine was about to invade and launch a war against Russia, that Ukraine was prepared to use chemical weapons. Ukraine committed a genocide. Without any evidence, we saw a flagrant violation of international law in attempting to unilaterally create two new so-called republics on sovereign Ukrainian territory. And at the very moment that the United Nations Security Council was meeting to stand up for Ukraine's sovereignty, to stave off invasion, Putin declared his war. Within moments, moments, missile strikes began to fall on historic cities across Ukraine. Then came the air raids, followed by tanks and troops rolling in. We've been transparent with the world. We've shared declassified evidence about Russia's plans and cyber attacks and false pretexts so that there could be no confusion or cover up about what Putin was doing. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war and now he and his country will bear the consequences. Today, I'm authorizing additional strong sanctions and new limitations on what can be exported to Russia. This is going to impose severe costs on the Russian economy, both immediately and over time. We have purposefully designed these sanctions to maximize the long-term impact on Russia and to minimize the impact on the United States and our allies. I want to be clear. The United States is not doing this alone. For months, we've been building a coalition of partners representing well more than half the global economy. Twenty-seven members of the European Union, including France, Germany, Italy, as well as the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and many others, to amplify the joint impact of our response. I just spoke with the G7 leaders this morning, and we're in full and total agreement. We will limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds, and yen to be part of the global economy. We'll limit their ability to do that. We're going to stunt the ability of to finance and grow Rus- the, the Russian military. We're going to impose major — and we're going to impair their ability to compete in high-tech 21st-century economy. We've already seen the impact of our actions on Russia's currency and the ruble, which, early today, hit its weakest level ever, ever in history. The Russia stock market plunged today. The Russian government borrowing rates spiked by over 15%. In today's actions, we've now sanctioned Russian banks that together hold around $1 trillion in assets. We've cut off Russia's largest bank, a bank that holds more than one-third of Russia's banking assets by itself, cut it off from the U.S. financial system. And today, we're also blocking four more major banks. That means every asset they have in America will be frozen. This includes VTB, the second largest bank in Russia, which has $250 billion in assets. As promised, we're also adding the names to the list of Russian elites and their family members that are sanctioning — that were sanctioned sanctioning as well. As I said on Tuesday, These are people who personally gained from the Kremlin's policies and they should share in the pain. We will keep up this drumbeat of those designations against corrupt billionaires in the days ahead. On Tuesday, we stopped the Russian government from raising money from U.S. or European investors. Now we're going to apply the same restrictions to Russia's largest state-owned enterprises, companies with assets that exceed $1.4 trillion. Some of the most powerful impacts our actions will come over time as we squeeze Russia's access to finances and technology for strategic sectors of its economy and degrade its industrial capacity for years to come. Between our actions and those of our allies and partners, we estimate that we'll cut off more than half of Russia's high-tech imports. It'll strike a blow to their ability to continue to modernize their military. It'll degrade their aerospace industry including their space program. It will hurt their ability to build ships, reducing their ability to compete economically. And it will be a major hit to Putin's long-term strategic ambitions. And we're preparing to do more. In addition to the economic penalties we're imposing, we're also taking steps to defend our NATO allies, particularly in the East. Tomorrow, NATO will convene a summit — we'll be there — to bring together the leaders of 30 allied nations and close partners to affirm our solidarity and to map out the next steps we will take to further strengthen all aspects of our NATO alliance. Although we provided over $650 million in defensive assistance to Ukraine just this year, it's last year, let me say it again. Our forces are not and will not be engaged in the conflict with Russia in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight in Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies and reassure those allies in the East. As I made crystal clear, the United States will defend every inch of NATO territory with the full force of American power. And the good news is, NATO is more united and more determined than ever. There is no doubt, no doubt that the United States and every NATO ally will meet our Article 5 commitments which says an attack on one is an attack on all. Over the past few weeks, I ordered thousands of additional forces to Germany and Poland as part of our commitment to NATO. On Tuesday, in response to Russia's aggressive action, including its troop presence in Belarus and the Black Sea, I've authorized deployment of ground and air forces already stationed in Europe to NATO's eastern flank allies, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, and Romania. Our allies have also been stepping up, adding the other allies, the rest of NATO, adding their own forces and capabilities to ensure collective defense. And today, within hours of Russia's unleashing its assault, NATO came together and authorized and activated an activation of response plans. This will enable NATO's high readiness forces to deploy and when and where they are needed protect our NATO allies on the eastern boundaries of Europe. And now I'm authorizing additional U.S. force capabilities to deploy to Germany as part of NATO's response, including some of the U.S.-based forces that the Department of Defense placed on standby weeks ago. I've also spoken with Defense Secretary Austin and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs General Milley about preparations for additional moves should they become necessary to protect our NATO allies and support the greatest military alliance in the history of the world, NATO. As we respond, my administration is using the tools, every tool at its disposal, to protect American families and businesses from rising prices at the gas pump. You know, we're taking active steps to bring down the cost, and American oil and gas companies should not, should not exploit this moment to hike their prices, to raise profits. You know, in our sanctions package, We specifically designed to allow energy payments to continue. We are closely monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We've been coordinating with major oil producing and consuming countries toward our common interest to secure global energy supplies. We are actively working with countries around the world to elevate collective release from the strategic petroleum reserves of major energy consuming countries. And the United States will release additional barrels of oil as conditions warrant. I know this is hard and that Americans are already hurting. I will do everything in my power to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. This is critical to me. But this aggression cannot go unanswered. If it did, the consequences for America would be much worse. America stands up to bullies. We stand up for freedom. This is who we are. Let me also repeat the warning I made last week. If Russia pursues cyber attacks against our companies, our critical infrastructure, we are prepared to respond. For months, we've been working closely with, our pri- with the private sector to harden our cyber defenses, sharpen our ability to respond to Russian cyber attacks as well. I spoke last night to President Zelensky of Ukraine, and I assured him that the United States, together with our allies and partners in Europe, will support the Ukrainian people as they defend their country, we will provide you humanitarian relief to ease their suffering. And in the early days of this conflict, Russia propaganda outlets will keep trying to hide the truth and claim success for its military operation against a made-up threat. But history has shown time and again how swift gains in territory eventually give way to grinding occupations, acts of mass civil, mass civil disobedience, and strategic dead ends. The next few weeks and months, we hard on the people of Ukraine. Putin has unleashed a great pain on them. But the Ukrainian people have known 30 years of independence, and they have repeatedly shown that they will not tolerate anyone who tries to take their country backwards. This is a dangerous moment for all of Europe, for the freedom around the world. Putin has committed an assault on the very principles that uphold the global peace. But now, the entire world sees clearly what Putin and his Kremlin, and, and his Kremlin allies are really all about.
0: Around the world, uh, leaders are weighing in and uh, giving their condemnation of Russia, and and a lot of people watching to see how certain countries will react. I think the ones that are on the list, China, obviously, uh, that is so important to see what their stance is on this position. They haven't said much of anything thus far. Turkey is another one. Erdogan has been closely linked to Russia. So what's his take on this? The other one is Israel. I think they found themselves in a bit of a spot, but Uh, Israel's Prime Minister did uh, offer some humanitarian aid to Ukraine, but has stopped short of issuing any public condemnation of Russia's attack. Um, Nafsili Bennett delivered a speech today saying, Our hearts go out to the citizens of Ukraine who got into this situation without any wrongdoing on their own part. But the Israeli leader still choosing to skip over any mention of the aggressor, failing to say the word Russia or name President Vladimir Putin. Some here are questioning how long and how wise it is for Bennett to continue this awkward address of war in Ukraine when Israel's most important ally, the United States, is calling out Russia at every turn. Now, Earlier today, Israel's foreign minister did issue a formal condemnation of russia's aggression in this incident so another uh wrinkle in all of this to watch right now let's get an update on what's going on and what we know about the attack itself we're going to chat with reggie cicchini who is the washington uh, correspondent for global news reggie thanks for taking some time this morning appreciate you joining us good morning so i mean the developments seem to be happening minute by minute Bring us up to speed what's what's the latest you're hearing
4: So look, there's a lot that's going on inside Ukraine and inside Russia. We can start in Russia, where we have been uh, kind of told that there's been a cyber attack that is uh, potentially taking down Russian government websites. We also know on the grounds throughout Moscow, there have been arrests uh, of people who are trying to protest against any kind of forward movement by the Russian military, kind of a crackdown on some dissidents. On the other side of the border, we are seeing this offense uh, continue uh, to move in. This was originally, remember, going to be an ability for uh, the Kremlin to protect Russian assets and, and Russian interests in the Donbass area yeah. but over the course of the last 10 hours we've seen explosions throughout most of the major cities including the taking of an air base about 25 kilometers away from Kyiv signaling that there could be a Russian military attempt here to try to move in, potentially capture the city of, of Kyiv
0: And like you say, it's I mean, if it's not just in the Donbass, it's it's happening north, south, east west, the entire uh, country of Ukraine is reporting some sort of activity Do we know uh, what the plan, like, what the goal is here as that being stated? I and mean, I know lots of speculation that they want to replace the government. Do we have any certainty around that?
4: No, there's no certainty. uh, And it's hard to take the Kremlin uh, at their word because this was a government who said for weeks that they had no intentions of actually crossing the line and moving into Ukraine, despite the fact they had that massive military posture surrounding the country. Uh, I think it's important to watch what's happening outside of Ukraine right now, notably to the north in Belarus. We've seen uh, and heard reports of missiles being launched out of Belarus into Ukraine, but also that President Lukashenko has said that the military in Belarus will be made available to the Kremlin should it need it. So, that could be, again, further signal that this intends to be an occupation of Ukraine, despite the Kremlin earlier today saying they had no intent to occupy
0: And Reggie, of course, everybody watching and waiting to see what the response of the West and and the democratic world is going to be. G7 uh, ministers meeting this morning,
4: correct? they met this morning yes with uh, president biden after president biden had convened his national security council there is a broad push here to try to levy some kind of more severe sanction on the russian government on the kremlin uh, and on people within putin's orbit there's a bit of pushback though when it comes to uh, uh, sanctioning the financial sector throughout uh, russia some uh, european nations are are not uh, kind of standing in line with taking away uh, or sanctioning swift rather which would uh, limit and impact the ability to move money back and uh So there's a bit of, of question as to how severe these sanctions could be. President Biden uh, is expected to speak sometime in the next 90 minutes, where he is likely to announce more sanctions that could cut Russia off from advanced technology. It could put more restrictions on large financial in- institutions. That wasn't done initially, because that could have a ripple effect on the average Russian member of the population. They were really trying to ensure that they didn't get any kind of pushback on sanctions. Mm-hmm. But given where we see the Kremlin now, This could become a much broader economic crisis in Russia with these sanctions.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it'll be interesting to see that happen. And we know the prime minister is expected to speak probably shortly after after Biden gives his address.
4: Yeah, Prime Minister expected to speak sometime around one o'clock. Uh, we, we, we don't have any reporting on, on what he's going to announce, but it would be, uh, difficult to see Ottawa not following, uh, in the footsteps of both the U.S., the European Union, and, uh, and, and other allies across Europe who have been levying these sanctions. We'll have to wait to see what Ottawa announces. But uh, again, given the fact that, that Washington is going to come out and likely go after, uh, high ranking state owned banks across Russia, this could be a global pushback uh, that potentially Russian President Vladimir Putin wasn't expecting or at least didn't think would actually come to fruition. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Reggie, thanks so much for the update. Appreciate it.
0: All right, here's the latest on the situation as we know it. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will hold a news conference one hour from now to update Canadians on the situation in Eastern Europe and the Canadian response to it. He will be joined by Foreign Minister Jolie. Uh, Defense Minister Anand and Finance Minister Christian Freeland. Now, we're expecting um, U.S. President Joe Biden to address the world uh, in about 20 minutes or so. So, okay, we have a couple of things we need to keep an eye on, and we will bring you those comments, of course, and keep you up to speed on what's going on. The other development, uh, it is now night again in Ukraine. It is dark once again, and Chernobyl is back in the news. Remember Chernobyl, uh, the site of the world's worst nuclear accident in April of 1986? Um, Ukrainian President Zelensky says that Russian forces are trying to seize the plant.
4: When you're fighting and, and missiles and rockets and gunfire, you can't be that specific and that accurate. And what he's worried about is that something might miss and hit the reactor. And then that is a problem for more than just Ukraine and part of Russia. It's a problem for Europe.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the exploded reactor has been covered by a protective shelter to prevent radiation leaks. The concern is that could be disturbed in some way. Um, so we're keeping an eye on the situation there. Uh, let's get some insight into how we got here, though. I think that's, um, you know, there's nothing can be done about it, but it's worth looking at how we did. We're going to chat now with Oral Brown, who is a professor of political science and international relations at the University of Toronto and an associate at the Davis Centre at Harvard University. Uh, Mr. Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Um you know, you, you, you put a piece together recently for the Globe and Mail, and uh, the contention is, you know, regardless of what happens from here, and I don't think anybody knows exactly what's going to happen from here, how we got here is solely a, a failure of the Western world and any deterrence they may have had, right?
5: Well, it's very clear that had deterrence not failed, Mr. Putin would not be invading.
0: Yeah. What did, uh, what kind of... Strategies have been deployed over the years to try and prevent us getting to where we are now. What did the West try and do?
1: It's uh,
5: clear that the West did not uh, address the issue adequately, that Russia had been indulged. We must not forget that uh, Russia invaded Georgia, and uh, uh, there are two separatist regions that recognize the by uh, Russia in Georgia in 2018, and when the Obama administration came in, they decided to press the reset button uh, to have better relations, which the Russians meant uh, uh, to to indicate that the United States was not only going to forget about the Russian aggression in Georgia, but wanted just to normalize relations. We so sent all the wrong signals. Following that, again under the Obama-Biden administration, with Mr. Biden as vice president, in 2014 they invaded Crimea illegally, annexed Crimea, and again, uh, out of sanctions which did not seem to have that much of an effect, they were not punished. Further, they were allowed into Syria, uh, though they were largely yep. excluded out of the Middle East. So. The indications that they received uh, uh, were, uh, were basically that they would uh, have a fairly free hand. But not only that, the West has denied, uh, they have starved the uh, defense force of Ukraine of modern weapons. There were no weapons sold under the Biden-Obama administration. It was a trickle under President uh and then uh, another trickle under uh, uh, President Biden, uh, many of the European countries refused to sell. Germany would not sell any weapons, would not even allow weapons to be transferred that were uh, manufactured in Germany because they did not want to endanger their supply of uh, energy from Russia and the profitable business that they uh, have in selling uh, luxury cars to uh, the wealthy in Russia.
0: So... Uh, and Putin, all the while, has taken advantage of every inch and taken a mile, right? He, he, he has exploited this.
5: He has exploited this uh, because uh, NATO is a giant, but it is uh, one that's playing uh, a helpless one. Uh, the gross domestic product, if I may remind you, listeners, of the combined NATO states, is at least 15 times that of Russia. Russia is not a superpower except for nuclear weapons. It is a remnant of a superpower. And yet it has been able to bully, to intimidate NATO. Uh, NATO, with the United States at its uh, leadership, uh, President Biden declared uh, that they will not send forces into Ukraine. And I can understand that. You don't want to get into a hot war. But it's more difficult to appreciate why this had to be announced and why that had to give Mr. Putin that kind of reassurance that the West would be negotiating uh, with the hand tied behind its back. And then uh, when Mr. Putin masked uh, huge forces around Ukraine, Mr. Biden continued to negotiate, basically with a gun to his head, which should be a violation of negotiations 101. Right. So um, Mr. Putin is responsible for this invasion mr putin is clearly responsible for the loss of lives in ukraine but i doubt that history will treat mr biden kindly
0: where do we go from here um what i mean uh, th- that's the big question i think everybody's asking we're, we're hearing about sanctions and these sorts of things uh, personally i don't think putin cares about sanctions he knows they're going to be coming um where, where do we go from here well, it's interesting that you mention
5: sanctions, because sanctions do not have a sterling history no. of really changing behavior, uh, with a few exceptions. And so uh, Russia has largely disregarded those sanctions. What hurt Russia the most were low energy prices. Uh, and that was before the move towards renewable, when the United States was uh, producing a lot of energy, beginning to export them, drove prices down and you will notice it's not uh, exactly coincidence that instead of uh, oil being 32 dollars a barrel now it's 100 yeah. yeah and that's a lot of money to uh, put in uh, coffers and so uh for sanctions to be effective they have to be sectoral sanctions uh, there has to be a recognition that if you're going to effectively sanction a target you have to absorb a good deal of pain yourself there are no cost-free sanctions they are relatively blunt instruments it's a myth that there are uh, smart sanctions. Well, the most potent sanctions, uh, sanction at the moment, it seems, is SWIFT, which is needed for transactions. That would be dealing a very hard blow to the Russian economy, not necessarily a fatal one. But word uh, so far is that there is no agreement among the European states. They would support it, that these Europeans want SWIFT, but that the Germans, who have played a terribly negative role, because they allowed themselves to be dependent on Russian energy, Mm -hmm. and now they're being manipulated, Uh, they are uh, opposed to it. So, one of the things we have to look for in uh, the speech that uh, President Biden is going to make, when he talked about more and Biden and uh, sanctions that Russia never expected, will SWIFT be included? That's the linchpin. If SWIFT is not included, it's not going to have a lot of uh, uh, credibility. The other element that is really difficult and hard to understand is that when Mr. Biden himself admitted within the past uh, 48 hours that Russia has engaged in an actual invasion, instead of leveling all these sanctions and hitting Russia before they move to the next step, he said, well, we're going to hold some back uh, until they engage in further uh, further in. Invasions. Well, this is the kind of thing that all diplomats like who just are addicted to negotiationism. But I would call this the Monty Python method of diplomacy and negotiations. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Basically, saying, "Well, okay, you lop off one arm. Well, Now we're going to see we want to lop off the other arm, and then we're going to react. And what about a leg? And 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 and? Yet you hear these diplomats on uh, on the media saying." Well, you know, uh, we will escalate. We will uh, uh, make sure that uh, Mr. Putin's friends don't get to travel. They will be, be denied visas. Uh, deputy prime, a deputy prime minister of Russia, uh, Dmitry Rogozin, following uh, the Georgian uh, aggression and sanctions were introduced, and he was asked about the sanctions, about denying visas. And he said, you know, tanks do not need visas. That is what we're seeing today. Yeah, exactly. Those, those tanks
0: are not seeking Western visas. Great points. Um, Mr. Brown. thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. That is Oral Brown, who is a professor of political science and international relations at the University of Toronto and an associate at the Davis Centre at Harvard University and yeah there will be all kinds of books written about how we got into this mess and you know dealing with a thug and a a bully and a brute. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. If you like what you hear don't forget to rate and review us.